Well, we, uh, we've been in a series the last few weeks. You know, sometimes you get into these things, and honestly, I don't know if they're going to be a one-off, but we just follow, follow the Spirit of God. I really thought this would be a one-off, but you know what? There's more there and more that we need to cover. And what we do, we'll just go until, you know, you never exhaust a subject. You, know, you can't exhaust the Bible, but you go till we unhook from it for a while till we believe we need to move on to something else. And because uh, it, like, like we said, it's, we're, we're receiving from God. This is God's ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. And so we're just hooking up with Him. What would you like to minister? So this isn't something, you know, that we go and say, well, what, what do I want to preach? That, that's fruitless. You know, I can't, if I got up here and just tried to do what I would want to do, I could try to say some things. But if there's no, like what we just prayed for, what we would call unction or ability uh, from the Spirit of God, you're hooking up with that. It's just me talking and it would be dead. So I can't just say, well, I want to preach on this. What we do is we go before God and say, what, what should we be preaching on? And then if you say, well, I don't really want to preach on that. I'm going to preach on something else. What, do, what are we doing? Because is it Him we're hearing from or we're just going to share? Read? We could get up here and read from the Bible. Thank God it's anointed. But that's, there's more than that. There's more than that that we're doing. We're, we're to hook up with Him and say, Lord, what is it that you would have for us? And you know He knows what we need at any given time. So as a pastor, as a minister, my job is to uh, locate what he wants, I believe that he would want me to share, and then go with that. And then we go with it till we need to move on. And then, uh, and then we move on to what we believe the next thing is. I remember a pastor, this is just intro, but uh, I remember a pastor that, uh, it was in Kansas, uh, I, you know, I grew up in Nebraska, stayed down from where we were. But anyway, he, he came and shared with us, you know, when I was at Rama, we were in the third year program. I was in the third year program. It was a smaller program on purpose. You know, they would have 20 to 25 people in it um, so that they had one for missions and they had one for worship and they had one for pastors so that it was very hands-on. You would get to know those people. You'd be with the same 25 people every day and really get to know them. And then we could do things that you can't do when you have a really big group. So the first year and second year were big groups, but they limited the third year so you would have hands-on. One of the things they did was they would have pastors from all over the country come in for a week. And one of the classes that we would take in the mornings then, you know, we'd have like three hours of teaching. So like on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays of that week, the pastor would just get up and share whatever's on his heart, whatever he wants to impart to those that are going to be out in the ministry doing what they're doing. And so I remember this one uh, minister from Kansas that we had met before because we were in Nebraska, but he came and, and he shared. One of the things that uh, he imparted, he goes, my, my, my staff gets just frustrated with me when I try to do series, and they're trying to record it to like do a four-port series like on this specific topic, you know, how there has been now for years albums and different teachers, that's what they do. They'll put out just a, uh, um, a series on something, but it's like just going to be a four-CD series on such and such. And he said they would try to plan it, but the thing is, he's a pastor. And so he gets up there, and he's just going with the Spirit of God, and he ends up touching on things because you're a pastor. You can't, you're not necessarily just teaching on that subject. You're feeding the people through the Spirit of God who have come for that time, that what they need now. And he said, inevitably, go in different directions and then, you know, blow up the series. <laughs> well, what's the point? What are we trying to do? We tried to hear from God or make a nice, you know, four-part series. So um, we want to hear from God. Praise God. 
Anyway, let's go ahead and look at, we won't turn there, but uh, Proverbs 18, 19. So this series uh, is on the effects of offense. The effects of offense. If you didn't hear the first one, first couple, I'd go back, listen to those. Um, that'll help you because we're building on, going a little further on, on what we talked about before. We're not going to reiterate those things. But uh, Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like bars of a castle. In the New Living Translation, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Read that in the New Living Translation again. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. That's a strong statement. That's saying to get somebody back that's been offended, if, if two people have had a rift, is harder to take back than a city. That means that, you know, in battle, if they've lost a city, to get it back, one that's been, you know, a guarded city, is not easy to win back. And it says a, uh, an offended person, offended friend, is harder than to, to win back a, a, a fortified city. That's a strong statement. And that speaks to the power of offense, if we let it uh, direct us. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. That means two people can be separated as much as they can be separated by bars of iron. Offense will do that same thing. Separate people. And you know, we touched on this in the first two messages. Uh, Satan uses offense and one of his tactics, one of his end goals is to separate people from blessing in life. To separate them from the will of God, because the will of God is blessing. Some people don't like that, but what else is God? God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of abundance. Think of what heaven is. The Bible says that we, we would want the will of uh, what, what uh, God's will in heaven to be done on earth. Here, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what's heaven like? Is heaven good, or is it kind of a place where, you know, it's just not that great? Some parts are good, some parts are rough. No, it's good. So God's will on this earth is good. So if we're walking in the will of God and what He would want, it's going to be good. So offense, and we talked about this in a different area, you can be off, uh, offended with God Himself. And that will separate you from Him and what he wants you to do. You could be offended with the company that you've been working for. That's a blessing to you. But somebody can get offended, throw down their stuff and say, I'm out of here, and be separated from something that God was using to bless them. People can get offended in a relationship, in marriage, or a sibling uh, relationship, or parent relationship, and divide. And people, there are people that haven't spoken to their family for decades because they got offended because they got irritated, because they got divided. And you can see that happen. You guys all know, I don't have to tell you these scriptures just we read, you can probably, every one of you could give me an example of somebody you know that used to be close, but it is just like there is a gate between them. It might as well be iron because those people will not talk to each other. Don't raise your hand. I bet you everybody in here knows. We, we've all had experience seeing it. Well, what has happened? 
Somebody that had a rich relationship, rich, uh, maybe it's a rich working relationship, a partnership. Maybe it was a, a rich marital relationship. Maybe it was a rich uh, friend relationship. Maybe it was a relationship with God. You know, there are people that used to walk with God that got offended with God. Not really, our, we've talked about it a little bit. Maybe we'll get into that more at a different time, but this not really our, our part tonight. But are, are not walking with God anymore. Got mad, got, thought God should have done something that he didn't do in their mind. And walked away. Now, don't go to church. Don't have anything to do with God. Mad at God. Don't, Christian things will make them mad. What is that? That's off, offense. But what is it? It's dividing people from what God, the goodness that he has for them. Like we said, you, it could be something like you have a great day planned. With your family, with your spouse, your friend. Great day. And you're going and you're on the way. You're on the way to the beach, you're on the way to the mountains, or going into the city, or whatever. And, you know, somebody says a little bit of a word, says something, and, you know, just a little bit rough, and their person kind of takes it and responds back and be like, well, blah, blah, you know, says something else, and, blah, blah, and not pretty soon, there's a full-blown argument, and this day that was going to be great just got derailed. And now you, you had all these things planned, but now you can't even look at the other person. Don't, don't, just look straight ahead. Nobody will know that you had that experience. You know, just, no, we've all had the experience probably. What did that do? That separated us. Getting offended at each other separated us from enjoying that day, enjoying that time that we could have had. Well, that's God's will for us is to have a blessed time, to have a, a great time enjoying the, our loved ones and in, in enjoying that time, and it got stolen. Why? Because where we could have overlooked something, we bit. And we, you know, it always, it always can be at any point in the, the exchange, somebody could decide to do things differently. Somebody, you know, maybe somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Well, the other person could just say, you know what, bet you they didn't mean it, go on like they didn't say it. And not say anything, and guess what? It can end right there. Before we ever said anything, the first time we could think a little more clear, cl clearly and uh, not say it, it could end right there. But at any point, somebody could stop and say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. And we could stop it, and we could recover what we, God had for us. Let's go, before we get into it too much, let's read a few more scriptures. Colossians 3, verse 12. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now, as we're getting into this, you know, the enemy always works the same way, so I'm, you know, to say this, to set the stage. Some, it's easy to take these things in the Word, like this type of a message, 
And uh, the enemy will try to beat you over the head with it and go like, oh, great. Yeah, I know I should forgive people. Yeah, I know I shouldn't walk in a fence and make it something that's like a burden, like uh, I, to try to drive us down. I don't really want to hear that. That's not anything that, um, you know, that's just more that I have to do. I'm doing my best and cast it off and not really receive it. What we need to understand when the Word of God is telling us these things, God is giving us the tools to live a successful life and to enjoy life more. And He's warning us and telling us, uh, he's, he's making us aware of tactics and schemes that the enemy will use to derail our life for Him. So instead of looking at some of these things as, oh, they're a burden, or I know I should be doing better, see, that Satan will try to do that to try to get you, listen to this, offended at the word before it even has effectiveness so that it doesn't actually help us. He'll try to twist it, and instead of it being a help and realizing, you know what, God's trying to help me. He's not trying to give me another list of things to do. He's saying, if you want to live the best life possible, here's a play out of the playbook and do this and it's going to go well with you. He's not giving us a burden. He's trying to help us to say, hey, when you see this coming down the road, do this and you'll like sidestep. You'll sidestep the thing that was trying to take you out. And if we we'll look at the word and realize God's trying to help us, this isn't some because some people have preached it. We probably all heard preaching that's hard, that, try, that makes it like if you don't do this, somehow God doesn't love you. He always loves us, but how many of you know if you've had family or children, you love them, but if they're doing something that's not helping them, you want, you're, you're thinking, well, I'm trying to help. Why don't you do this? If you did this, this would help you. It's not that you don't love them, but you know that that doesn't help them. Well, that's God's attitude toward us. So it says, let's go back and read verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, and meekness, and long-suffering. He's saying, as Christians, these are some things that we, how we ought to behave because we have the ability, because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now let's read another, uh, let's see. We're going to turn to Ephesians in a moment, but let's put Revelation up, Revelation 12. Uh, we read this before, but uh, verse 10 says... Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love, or love their lives to the death. Verse 10, the second part of verse 10 says, For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So know that Satan is the accuser. And when we hear or we have thoughts, I'm not saying everything's from the devil, but they originate, evil thoughts originate in the earth from the, from the enemy, from the devil. He's the accuser. When you see things that are critical, when they're pointing the finger, when they're pointing out faults, when they're saying, ah, this, this could always be better. We're not against 
you know, um, constructive criticism, but that's not what this voice is. It's like, eh, they're not doing that. Nah, they're not doing that. And you hear that against your spouse. You hear that against your sibling. You hear that against your coworker. And it's this, you know, uh, always negative type of thing. That's the devil. It's not that hard to recognize the voice of the enemy versus the voice of God, as some people think sometimes, if it's negative, if it's telling you. Because this is a lot of the times why we start getting in, in a fight with somebody else is because we're feeling pressure. When you have a lot of pressure at work or you have a lot of pressure in your personal life and now you're feeling like you should be doing better and you start to feel and hear these thoughts like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You should be doing that. Well, God would want you... Uh, do you know Satan will pretend he's God? He'll talk to you, and he'll even quote Scripture. He'll, he'll quote it incorrectly and apply it incorrectly, but he'll quote Scripture. And he'll, it'll sound like this, you ought to be doing this, you ought to be doing this. Why don't why didn't you gotten this done yet? You should be further. How long have you been a Christian? How long have you known the Word? What's your problem here? That's not God. That's not the way God talks to people. I said that's not the way God talks to people. That's not His voice. That's the voice of the enemy. Now, am I saying God won't correct you? Oh, of course He'll correct you. He'll correct you with His Word. But just think about it in the natural. Do you respond well to somebody, whether it's at work, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach coming down and going, you moron, why didn't you get it together? What's your problem? I've told you this three times. Do you respond well to that? Does that help you do better? Does that that'd be like, oh yeah, I see it. Hey, thank you so much. And that was well delivered. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to go and do the best job of my life. No, you're like, did you get out of my face? I mean, I'm trying. What are, you, what are you probably thinking? I'm doing my best. I'm try, a lot of times you're doing your best. Well, how, don't you think God knows how to talk to people and encourage people and motivate people at least as well as human beings? God will correct you, but it's not, it's not negative. It's saying, hey, you're doing well and this and this, but here you could do better, and this will help you, and it'll be encouraging, just like you could imagine a good coach, a good teacher. You know, good teachers are amazing in a way to motivate students. They will encourage them and help them, and they improve them, but it's not through berating them. Students don't respond to teachers that just berate them. They want to get out of that class. Anybody know what I mean? That's, and every, all the kids talk about it, and they all know about it. They don't want that teacher. Why? They're mean. They don't care. The kids don't care that you're strict in the sense that you run a tight class. They care how you respond to them. Right? That's how we grew up. And, I, you know, I hear it from my kids now. They don't mind the person holding control of the class. In fact, that makes them secure. They don't want somebody that doesn't have control of the class. And they don't want hollow, hollow praise. It's like, give it to me straight. But they want to know that they're doing a good job in some areas and the ability of a teacher to help and to guide and to bring them up and improve, help them to improve while at the same time they're not berating them. That's an amazing gift. Well, don't you think God is at least as good as the best teachers you've ever had? So when you hear that voice or those thoughts that are critical and you're demeaning. It'll always, the voice of the enemy always brings down. 
It always is hopeless, like you're never going to get this. You should have done this better. Why don't you have that together? That's not helpful. The voice of God will correct you and help you, but it's always positive. Hey, you don't have any business doing that. That's beneath you. Do this and you'll go up. you got a great future ahead of you. Now do this instead and that's going to help you. He, he is always positive. He doesn't look past stuff. See, somebody have taken it too far and said, well, he just doesn't care about it. No, he cares. He cares about things. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. But he's not going to beat us over the head. Well, this voice also, or voice, I shouldn't say voice, not like you're hearing voices, but thoughts, the influence of the enemy in the earth, whether it's something you read, whether it's something you watch, whether it's somebody you hear somebody say, it's, they're all echoes of something that's been in the earth for thousands of years at least from the enemy, and it's this type of stuff. Well, when you hear that towards somebody else, it's tempting to latch on to it and side in with it. And that's how the enemy gets us offended. Now, we, it's, he can't make us get offended, but you'll have help in getting offended. Somebody can say something innocently. They didn't mean anything by it, but enemy will prompt you and say, this is what they meant. They think you're stupid. That's why they said that. And they're just trying to help you. And you have a choice. You could say, yeah, what, why did they say that? And now that's exactly how things happen where people start getting divided. But the point here is, we have help. We have help to get offended, is my point. You'll have help to get offended. And we need to know that, and we need to shut that down. Now let's look, um, let's look at Ephesians. Go ahead and turn over to Ephesians 4. Praise God. It's easy to preach tonight. You guys are good listeners. It's um, coming right out. Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4, actually 26. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. See that? See, you can be angry. Go back to the beginning of that. Be angry and what? Do not sin. Some people have the idea you can't ever be angry. Well, if you're a good Christian, you're never going to get angry. Being angry, there's nothing wrong with being angry. It's what you do with your anger. And a lot of people associate anger with rage or handling anger wrongly and berating somebody else. No, that's not right. But being angry, Jesus was angry. God's been angry. It says God was angry. Well, if it's a sin, how does that work out? We're all done. If God is doing it, then what, why, why would we be told we can't do it? No, but God obviously has never sinned. Jesus never sinned. But he says, be angry and do not sin. So there's anger, but then there's how to handle it. In other words, somebody could do something that you're disappointed in, but the right response is to go and talk to them and to do something about it, not get mad at them and berate them, and not just walk away from them without talking to them about it. If we just, that's how divisions happen, like, you know, that's how people, they just assume somebody means something in a relationship or whatever, and then gets offended, and then it, it can start to divide. 
Uh, it says, nor give place to the devil in verse 27. See that? The enemy's always going to try to prompt you to get, to, to uh, be critical of other people. Well, we don't want to give place to them. We certainly don't want to go uh, off on them, like we say, you know, go, get very angry and, and, and tear somebody down. Verse 28, let him who, steal, who stole steal no longer, but l rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, what he, that he may have something to eat or to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Verse 29, if we go back there. Verse 29 says, uh, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So this is a litmus test right here. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Edification means to build up. So what is good for building up? So if it doesn't build up, it shouldn't really be coming out of our mouth. That's a good, like when we're talking about dealing with somebody else, if it doesn't build up, we don't need to be saying it. That it may impart grace to the hearers. So we can just say, should I say that? How do we know? Well, does it impart grace? It was what I'm about to say going to impart grace, or is it going to tear down? And you guys know as well as I do, you, could, you know something pops, somebody says something, and you have a thought to say something back, and you know you shouldn't say it, and it's almost like it's in slow motion, not sometimes not so slow motion. You know you shouldn't say it. You think, I'm going to say it anyway. And it's almost, but this happens like this. It's like, pops in your mouth. Yeah, shouldn't, but it's like fleeting. It's, you know, milliseconds going by, however long for you to have that, it takes for you to deal that thought. And it's like, yeah, you shouldn't, but here we, and you just let it go. You know, you can just imagine, you slow down, and you know you shouldn't be saying it, but it goes out there, and you know as soon as you said it, unless your spouse or friend or whoever totally acts in the right way and deflects it, it's on. Right? As soon as it comes out of your mouth, you know, well, here we go. Now, they have a choice. They could be like, did you say something? And they could act nice, and you realize you shouldn't have said it. They know you shouldn't have said it. They know you meant to say it. And they know you shouldn't have said it, but you meant to say it, and you were digging them. But you know they could still react and be like, and smile at you anyway, and that could diffuse the whole situation right there. Nobody's going to say amen, I know, but <laughs> nobody's going to say amen on that. Now, even if you messed up, same thing. Let's flip it. So if you, don't raise your hand, just acknowledge it inside. But just answer this to yourself. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have done that? Now, let's think about it the other way. 
Now the other person, you said something, and now they say something that totally is in your face, totally overreacted, totally angry, and how are we tempted to react? Well, I can't believe you said that. What? And we get in their face and now it's on from our end. And we just acknowledge that, well, I didn't see your hands, but I know every hand was up on the inside, that we've done the same thing. So when we're saying, well, I don't know how you could say that, we know exactly how they could say it because we've done the same thing. So what would be a good way to respond? We could be the one going, ah, and just act like that wasn't anything and act like, I know you didn't really mean that. Do you know that can break it right there? Stop it. What could have been a complete divide, could have messed up your whole day, you could laugh about it. You could break, it could break right there. But you know what? Either side could do it at any given time. Either side could drop it. But that's not what your flesh wants to do. Your flesh, <laughs> your flesh wants to hit back. Your flesh wants to let them have it. Your flesh wants to tell them how it is. And then when you get done and it's all the pieces are on the floor and your day's messed up and whatever, then, well, I didn't really mean it. And then you want to pick it up, but our flesh, unless, you know, we tell our flesh, when I say our flesh, you know, that's a Bible word, but we just mean our unrenewed nature and this body we live in and the natural carnal nature. Your flesh just wants to be like, I'll tell you what you are. I'll tell you what I thought of that comment. You think that of me? Well, this is what I think of you. And the Bible's telling us here, don't do it. Now, is God saying, well, just don't do it because I just don't want you to do it, and I want you to get a gold star for the day? He's saying it's going to blow up your day. It could blow up your week. It could blow up your year. It's not where you want to go. And somebody's got somebody's to say the right thing. So it says... Uh, again, verse 29, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That it may impart grace. We just think about that. If it imparts grace, I can say it. If it doesn't, I shouldn't say it. And if I did say it, the right, if I did say something that doesn't impart grace, and I know full well I did, and I did let it fly, you know what the next words out of our mouth should be? Something like this, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry I was wrong. You know what, I, 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 I said the wrong thing, forgive me. And you know you can ax it, if the other, now their person may, depending on the time between the first thing you said and that, and the time the first thing has you know, time to build and get ingrained in the emotions, uh, if the other person will work with you, you can stop it right there. Going back to the scenario, Let's say we're driving in, you know, going to have a good day, and one person says something that they know they shouldn't have, and they dug at that person, and whoever, let's say one person said something, and the other person already reacted, the person, you, they, you could, either one could at, at any point say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. I, you know what? You could be very frank. Look, I don't want to fight. I shouldn't have said it. That was stupid. I don't want to mess up our day. Forgive me. Honest. And if the other person's honest, they know full well they've done the same thing. 
They know what it's like, because all of us do, to say something you knew you shouldn't have said, but you said it anyway. And if the person that just did the saying will acknowledge, that's what I just did. I didn't mean it. That was dumb. I shouldn't have let that out of my mouth, but I did it. Will you forgive me? That can break it right there, and we go right back where it was just about being derailed to where the day was messed up. We're still on the day, so it's good. And that can happen in any scenario, any time. And couples, the more we go on and we learn to be transparent with one another and to say things that actually build up. I mean, Shelly and I, we have gotten better at this over the years. But I will tell you, there was things early. I mean, we had, we've always had a pretty good marriage. But, I mean, early on, you know, our, I would say our fights lasted longer. We, don't, we honestly don't get in fights a lot. But one thing that's, that's changed is when we... I'll say something, she'll say something. We both know that was a dig. Didn't have to say that. And one of us will be, you know, like I've said, look, I shouldn't have said that. that I yielded the wrong thing. Yielded, when you say yielded, I guess how Christian but I mean, look, instead of, you know what yield is. Obviously, when we're, we know it in the context of traffic, when you're yielding to the traffic that it says to yield to, that means you let that go out and go. You let the traffic go. Well, you can yield in your life to the Spirit of God and say what we're talking about here, grace, or you can just yield to the thoughts that are from their get-go, you know, inspired by the accuser, and you can yield to that saying, well, go fly out of my mouth. Or you can let the Spirit of God, you know, uh, influence what you're saying. But there's been times that we've said it to each other and we've gotten better at this. I don't claim to be that we're doing it perfect. But I will say, there have been fights averted. One of us has said something stupid, and the other person says, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. That was dumb. Forgive me. And we look at each other, and you know, sometimes you don't want to, like, forgive their person, but you're like, yeah, I know. I forgive you. Because you know you've done the same thing. Now, I'm just, I'm just being real with you guys, and this will avert fights. If we will be honest... It takes honesty on both sides. If we'll be honest that we said something, we shouldn't. But then the other person does not act high and mighty and like, I don't know what you're talking about. I would never say something. Well, you know, if you've been married, you know full well they've said something. And they know full well the situation you were in, why you let that out of your mouth. And then so we're just being the ultimate hypocrite to say, well, I don't, I don't know why you said that. That really hurt me. Like you would ne you've never said anything that would ever hurt anybody. And people will say that. They'll be like, I, I mean, that, that just, I can't believe they said that. That hurt me so bad. I cannot believe that came out. Well, if we put it on, the shoe on the other foot, we've said stuff that we knew would hurt them, and we've said it. So if we, in that moment, say, yeah, I know, I've done the same thing. I forgive you. Let's go on. We don't want to fight. We just averted something again where we can, we can move on and we can enjoy the day. So it says, uh, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by uh, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
And verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, can you put up Luke 6.37 in the Amplified Bible? I wanted to show you this because that word forgive, I mean, it means the same everywhere here, but I want you to see it. Um, actually, can you put it in the New King James? We'll read it there and then we'll go to the Amplified. Oh, do you have... Okay, we'll see what it's like in the Amplified. I have the Amplified. I meant in the Amplified Classic. Um, 637. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, can you put it up in the Amplified? We'll see how that looks. Can you go down to the next one? Is it hard for you? Let me see how this is. When you're guilty and, and you will not be condemned. Can you, is it, can you put it up in the Amplified Classic real quick? 637? Just give it a minute. I, I made a mistake when I gave her the wrong version. Because the Amplified is like now, what used to be the Amplified is now the Amplified Classic. And now the Amplified is the new Amplified. And I wrote the wrong thing down. So. But the way it says it here is really good in the Amplified Classic. I want you to see that about forgiving. I'll read it to you as we're going. So 637, just ignore what's up there right now. I'll re let's just listen to this. It says, Judge not, neither pronouncing judgment nor subjecting to censure, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment. Let it drop. And that's what I wanted to get to. And you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Can you go back to where it says, oh, right here, that's fine. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment. Let it drop. Sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world is to just let it drop. The Bible says, let it drop. And you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Now, this is talking in general because... The next thing is give and it will be given to you in verse 38. These are laws of God. This isn't just taught. This is talking about in relation to people. If we'll forgive, if we'll say, acknowledge exactly what we're talking about. Look, I messed up. I'm sorry. And if the other person will say, yeah, I, I, I quit. I forgive. I release you. I'm not going to rub your nose in it. Let it drop. It said, then you'll be acquitted and forgiven and released. That even if we said something we shouldn't have, even if we let it fly, that if we'll do this, and especially when we're on the side of being able to forgive, even if somebody said something and they don't even acknowledge, if we'll just drop it right there, forgive them, even before they say anything and don't say anything back, that will 
cut it off right there. In other words, we don't have to wait for him to go, well, will you forgive me? We can forgive him right there. Go on. And a lot of times just that act will cause them, if they're thinking, to be like, yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been sharp. I shouldn't have been sharp. Shouldn't have said that. Just that act of overlooking something can prompt somebody uh, just to ask for forgiveness. Amen. God's faith.